Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, reading from the King, um, New American Standard Version. Now, it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census should be taken of all the inhabited earth. And this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged, engaged to him and was with child. And it came about that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the angels went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. I'm going to turn the remainder of our meeting over to our brother, Buck Matthews, and the scripture that the Lord has laid on his heart today. Good morning. You can open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Keep your finger in there as I get started on this message. First Christmas promise. It's uh, a lot of talking points we're going to go over today. It's such a massive subject. Everything just little nuggets here and there throughout the whole scripture. Starting in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 where they sinned, they fell. And uh, God was punishing them, judging them. And he said to the serpent that uh, your seed's going to be enmity against the seed of the woman. 
Now you could read over that really quickly and not understand it, but the seed of the woman is different than the seed of man. And the point is, is that that was a promise, the origin of our hope, because mankind, sin came into the world, death by sin, therefore death hath passed upon all men. Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin came into the world. But God, even though there was disobedience, they had everything. They only had one commandment that they had to obey, and they disobeyed that one. But God said, gave them hope there in chapter Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. And then he promised something in, in Isaiah 7, 14. You don't have to turn to these because we'll probably go to them later on as well. But this here talking point is that the promised Savior in the prophets, Isaiah 7, verse 14. Then it went a little further through the scriptures and, and God lists five names in Isaiah 9, verse 6 to 7, and names and characters of the promised Savior in that prophecy. Then we have to have the place. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, the place is where the promised Savior was born, Bethlehem, Euphrata. There were a couple of Bethlehems at that time. So specifically, God again exactly and hit the, hit the button and says it's going to be in Bethlehem, Euphrata, at a certain time. And then as we get into Matthew 1, verse 18, the name of the virgin is brought out, and that is Mary. Promised way back in Genesis, <coughs> there was to be a virgin. <coughs> Her name is not, not given until we get into Matthew chapter 1. <coughs> In Matthew 1.23, we find the prophecy actually fulfilled. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. We're going to read that. <clears throat> now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she, she was found with child out of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take upon thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And for he shall save his people from their sins. We've already learned today that the reason for Christ to come into the world was to save people from their sins. And we know from John chapter 4, he's the savior of the world, not just of the Jews, but also of the Greek, the Gentile. <clears throat> Verse 22, now all this was done, all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying in Isaiah 7, verse 14, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. It shows the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ there. 
In verse 24, Joseph, being raised from the sleep, did as the angel unto him said unto him. He took his wife, and he knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. Amen. In Luke chapter 2, the 17 verses or so that, that Billy read, <laughs> Truly bringing out the actual order, they made himself a no reputation, took upon him the form of the servant being found in fashion of the man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. It came to pass in those days, in verse, uh, that there was a decree that was sent out. And just like I say, this is a very complicated situation uh, with God. He knows all things and he puts it all together. But uh, the Lord says that as the heavens are higher than, than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and your thoughts and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. <clears throat> but down in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 35, we have a story there about a man and, and also starting in the first couple of verses of Luke, we have Zacharias brought in. And here it was 400 years, man, God did not speak to man. There is no written word given to man. There was no prophet that prophesied to mankind. And finally, an angel stands there in the temple where Zacharias is and appears to him. And what a strange thing that was to him and a fearful thing because angels were very, very bright. And here we have Zacharias being told that your, your wife, Elizabeth, is going to be, give a child. And he didn't laugh. He just wondered, how in the world could that be? She's past the age. But the angel said, you will see. And as he fulfilled his ministration, he continued on, went back to his home. There was Elizabeth, and surely she conceived after a certain period of time. But he was very quiet. He couldn't speak at all. This was the punishment that he gave until he would name the son, which was John the Baptist. In Matthew 121, it says, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. In verses 22 and 23, Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken of by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which is God with him. The most wonderful, miraculous event ever to happen in this world was this virgin birth, and the son that was procured within Mary, that virgin chosen by God way back, in Genesis 3, verse 15, the first prophecy told of a hope to mankind and deliverance. In Genesis 3, we have that story of the fall of man. I said that would be one of my talking points. Eve was tricked by this beautiful serpent, but and by words of deception, and Adam was willing to take the fruit also. We know that from Romans 5, verse 12. 
in the New Testament. Wherefore, through one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death was passed upon all men. <clears throat> and then Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. <clears throat> and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Way back in the Garden of Eden, that problem of sin began. But in Matthew 1.21, it tells why the seed of the woman came into the world. He shall save his people from their sins. Our God is very loving and merciful. And starting way back in Genesis 3, the fall of man, God gives a message of hope and promise. And he said that he would give that birth through a virgin. The birth was protected, his humanity and his deity. Going to Isaiah 9, verse 6 to 7, you can turn to that if you like to. But in Isaiah 66 to 7, we have the, the different names uh, given to the Lord Jesus Christ. Five of them, by the way. Five is the number of grace. Five is the number of man's dependency. Remember uh, David when he went after Goliath. He said, I come into you in the name of the Lord. And he had five smooth stones. There are five wounds that Christ went, had on the cross at Calvary, too. And these names here are five names. And here, his name was called Wonderful. This is not an adjective that he's a great person. This is actually his name. In fact, in Judges 13, verse 18, the angel messenger uh, name was called Secret. And that means Wonderful. And they believe that this is Christophany, where the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to Manoah. Uh, telling them about the son. <clears throat> but Matthew eleven twenty seven, no man fully knows the son, but the father. The word wonderful doesn't, however, describe him in all he ever did and said, then too, that he should be absolutely sinless. And yet the friend and savior of sinners is a wonderful fact beyond comprehension. This one that was called Wonderful as his name, his title, the secret one. And he also was wonderful in the things that he did. He was not only called wonderful, but he was called counselor. Unique in, to him alone. No, nor did anyone ever seek to give him counsel at all. Romans eleven thirty four, Who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, no one. In 1 Corinthians one twenty four, there is he that came into the world as the wisdom of God. And Colossians 2, 3 says that in him we have the counselor full of treasure, of wisdom, and the knowledge of God. Not only that, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And in John 8, 32, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. This is that great counselor. Many people listen to him. And even when he was the age of 12, the doctors, the lawyers, amazed at how much this, this young child knew and the wonderful things that he did there when he was 12 years old. Not only was he called wonderful and counselor, he's called the mighty God, the child, the son of God given, that spirit shows him his manhood 
and his deity. He was born a virgin, that Holy One Jesus, also Emmanuel, God with us. He was a mighty God, and before Abraham was, I am, he could say. <clears throat> In Romans chapter 1, verse 4, who but he could declare himself as the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. In John 10, 18, whom but he had power to lay down his life in death or for sins and take it away again in resurrection, take it up again for our justification. And Romans 4, 25, who but he could produce the miracle of the no birth, of the new birth, we are a new creation created in him. And verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. This is the wonderful, mighty God, the father of eternity. It's the next term. It's a better rendering than the everlasting father in the fourth name. He is the eternal son of the eternal father linked with the eternal spirit of God. One of the persons in the Godhead. Here is Jesus, the one after the order of Melchizedek, Psalm 110. After the order of Melchizedek, of whom we read, Thou, Lord, in the beginning, has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou art the same. Thy years fail not. Hebrews 10 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the ancient of days, according to Daniel 7, verse 13. The fifth name, the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the author of peace. He is the maker of peace. He is the proclaimer of peace. And he is the coming king of peace. Sin and Satan has raised the stormy waves of turmoil and strife in this human heart and in the world. But Jesus came. He came to give us peace, peace everlasting. On Calvary, by giving up his own life, he made peace by the blood of his cross. And on the basis of this finished work, to put away sin and to undo the works of the devil, he now offers peace to all who will repent and receive him as Prince of Peace. The believer in him can join in and say, like Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Access into the holy presence of God we have. All the earth and men shall proclaim that this man shall be peace. In Ephesians 2, 14, he is our peace. Now, that's a lot, of, lot to take in, but yet there's more. I got to thinking about the idea of the subject of light. The, the beginning of time. In Genesis 1, verse 3, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And in Genesis 1, verse 4, and God saw the light that it was good. At creation, God gave the emphasis of light. In Isaiah 9, verse 2, therefore, 
they that walked in darkness have seen a great light, and upon them hath this light shined. And also in Numbers 24 and verse 17, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not near. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise up of the Israel. Reminds of Israel. It reminds you of the uh, the wise men as they followed that star. I know that they're saying that there's going to be a star on the 21st, I believe, that you can see. And they say that that was the star of Bethlehem. They're calling it, but it might have been the star of Bethlehem, but it wasn't his star. His star was a miracle. I believe that his star was just put in the sky because these astrologers were watching the stars. And what is this strange star that they saw? And so they followed it. In fact, there must have been a message from God to say to them that this is his star. And he is born king of the Jews. Because here in Isaiah 42 and verse 6, it says, The Lord hath called thee in righteousness and will hold thy hand and keep thee and given thee a covenant of the people for a light to the Gentiles. Now in Isaiah 60 and verse 3, it says, And the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. There it is. The wise men there is coming to the light, following that light. And then in Isaiah 16, verse 15, it says, I will make thee an eternal excellency, a joy to many generations. And truly, we sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. The sun shall be no longer the light by day or anything like that. Talking of light, continuing the subject of light, Zechariah, the story of his, it opens the New Testament of, of an angelic visit. He was speechless, and finally he does talk when they ask him the name that the son should be, and it says his name shall be G John. And he spoke by the Spirit about his son's purpose, and also called the prophet the Most High. Then the tender mercies, through the tender mercies of God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that walk in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. This one has come with that brightness of a noonday sun. Paul the apostle appreciated the brightness of Jesus for when he went down the Damascus road, the sun shone, the, the brightness of Jesus Knocked into the ground. It was brighter than a new day sun, he said, many times in the book of Acts, two, or two times at least more. And he spoke of that light, how bright it was. So he experienced that light. And we know that there, Mary and Joseph in Luke chapter 2, Mary and Joseph comes to Bethlehem. No room in the inn. But then there were shepherds out in the field, and they experienced light. They experienced the brightness of one angel. And then many angels came and they said, It's unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The sign to you is ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly it says, There was a whole host of angels appeared, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill. 
toward men. And when the angels left, the shepherds went into Bethlehem to see that sight. Then, eight days later, this is the subject of light still. Eight days later, circumcised time, Simeon meets and greets. And he says, mine eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord in the person of Christ. In verse 32 of chapter 2, he says, a light to lighten the Gentiles. We have seen how important light was to God. It was so important that in John chapter 8, verse 12, the Lord Jesus Christ, one of his I am's, one of his five I am's there, seven I am's, I should say, in the gospel of John, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. There's another passage in 2 Corinthians 3, 4, verse 3 to 4. It says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in unto them. Then we have in, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, the city had no need of the sun nor the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God lit it, lit in it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. In Isaiah 60, verse 14, I believe it is, that's the quotation from there. And finally, Light is brought up in the, in the last chapter of the Bible. The first chapter was the light, and in the second chapter, last chapter of the Bible, finally in Revelation 22, verse 5, no night, no candle, no sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever, never ending. Those wise men, they came from the east, and they said, where is he that is born king of the Jews? They saw his star in Bethlehem, Judah, Euphrata. Another interesting thing, it's not just light, is the idea that in Matthew, it tells the lineage of Joseph and Luke, Mary's lineage. There's a little, little story that I found in my notes a long time ago. It's a story about five daughters. Their father and mother had died in the wilderness because they were part of that generation that was not going to see the promised land. Five daughters, and his name was Zelophehad. Now, all the legal cases brought up during the time that they were in the wilderness, there were cases that were brought before Moses that he had to judge. All these legal cases in the 38 years from Sinai to Can Can Canaan. There are two cases that are recorded in the scriptures, both concerning these women. In Numbers chapter 27, 11 verses, and in Numbers chapter 36, verse 1 to 3, there are these daughters, and they came, and they knew that an inheritance was given only through men. But these women came forth, five women, the number of grace. I won't pronounce their daughter's names, but they're, they're there in Numbers 27 and Numbers 36. And they went and they said, our father died in the desert. 
and we cannot receive the inheritance because we are no sons. But then they appeared before Moses and spoke to him. And they, they said, what can happen? And so God spoke to Moses and said, allow them that they should have an inheritance, even though there be no line where there is a son involved in the family. And you know, I think of that, and who does that remind you of? Mary. I'll tell you why in a second. There's another portion. They appeared again to, to one of them, those daughters wanted to get married. And they said, if I marry, will I lose my inheritance? And they said, not if. Not if she would stay within the father's tribe. And this idea behind it is, is that there's also another situation that's brought up. Jeconiah was cursed and said, no one in his line shall receive an inheritance. But yet these women could have the inheritance. And so the story unfolds and talks about the idea that Joseph was a direct descendant of Jeconiah, which means that if Jesus was born to Joseph, he would not have a, an inheritance. So instead of that, way a long time ago, God had these five daughters come and plead that women would be able to have an inheritance if they did not have a man in the line. And so therefore, the, in, the way that God thinks is amazing. He doesn't do it, oh, this is going to happen, so now we're going to do it. He knows before the time happens where that these daughters would come and plead for a line that they would have an inheritance. And so this allowed Mary to give the inheritance, the right of the inheritance to Jesus. It's an amazing thought as I close and think about the idea that the story did not just start in Matthew and Luke. The story started way back in Genesis. God had mercy on us. Even though we failed him in the garden, God had mercy. And then the Lord Jesus Christ was laid in a garden. And there, after dying on the cross of Calvary, he took our sins that we might be saved. He was laid in a tomb by Joseph of Arimathea and by Nicodemus. Laid him there, and three days later, he rose from the dead. Forty days he was on this earth telling people wonderful things about God of heaven. And as we think this time, during this time and this season, Jesus didn't just come into the world there in, in Matthew and Mark and Luke, and not Mark, but Luke. No, he didn't. He was also new. Before the foundation of the world, he was that one that was chosen so that we might have eternal life. He's the light of the world. He that believeth in me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Do you have that light today? Is he shining in you? 
Has there been a time in your life that you believed that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again for your sins? Have you trusted Jesus and his cleansing blood? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Might we take our Father in heaven in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, take some of this portion of Scripture, feebly spoken, but yet the truth is there to examine these wonderful things, how that you made it so. Your thoughts are higher than heavens. Your thoughts are not even close to what we can think about this wonderful time of year. So help us, let us gain more wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Let our hearts be filled with joy concerning this Jesus who came, God with us, manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, preached unto angels, preached unto the world, received up in the glory. And the angels still marvel at this wonderful story of love. Tell it again. Tell it again. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that you'll be with every believer in this assembly, the voice, the sound of my voice, that you'll be with them and let them have an enjoyable time, remembering that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, whom I am chief. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.